It's Friday, December 20th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Some election officials are making a list, checking it twice, and cutting hundreds of thousands of people from their voter registration rolls. We'll explain why these recent moves are making people nervous ahead of 2020. Then impeachment is heading to the Senate. Or is it? We'll break down what's holding the process up. And finally, a picture that's leaving us at a loss for words. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about voter registration lists. There's been a lot of coverage recently about states cutting hundreds of thousands of people from their voter rolls. That means people who used to be registered to vote might not be anymore. In the last week alone, election officials in Georgia and Wisconsin tried to erase a combined half a million voters from the voter rolls. That's a lot of voters. So today we're going to get into how voter registration works, why election commissions might remove registered voters, and how they go about making those cuts. Let's get into it, starting with a little civics lesson. If you're over 18, you have the right to vote in the U.S., but in almost every state, you have to actually register to exercise that right. Fun fact, North Dakotans are the only ones who are automatically registered to vote when they turn 18. Everyone else has to follow the requirements in their state, registering online or sending a form to a state or local election office. It's then up to those election offices to decide how to maintain their list of registered voters because they're responsible for protecting the integrity of the election and preventing voter fraud. And sometimes that means taking registered voters off the list, which is a really big deal, especially if the voters don't know they've been removed. That means they might show up to vote and get turned away. So why would a voter be cut from the voter rolls? Well, there are a lot of reasons. If someone dies, then obviously they can't vote anymore. Or if they move to a different state, then they should re-register there. It's all about having an accurate count of the number of voters, so election officials can plan out the number of workers they need at the polls, or so the lines won't be too long. And also that there's more faith in the electoral process, etc., etc. Making sure these lists are up to date is a normal process of government. But it's hard for states to stay on top of this. Like we said, each state gets to decide how they're going to organize and maintain their voter rolls. And they don't necessarily treat it like a team sport. About half of the states share voter lists, death records, or info about when people change addresses to help each other stay up to date. So if you move from Arizona to Vermont and re-register to vote, those states can compare notes and make edits to their lists. That system doesn't always work. One study found that for every one correct crossout, a few hundred legitimate voter registrations were incorrectly deleted. That's a high price to pay. And that's kind of why the news of voter purges this week has caused a lot of people to freak out. Not necessarily because it's happening, but how it's happening. Remember, Georgia and Wisconsin deleted lots of people from their lists in the last week. More than 300,000 from Georgia and more than 200,000 from Wisconsin. So how did that happen? In Georgia, it's thanks in part to a use-it-or-lose-it law. That means if you haven't used your right to vote in a while, then you lose it. Nine states have these kinds of laws. In Georgia's case, if you haven't voted since 2012, then you're out for 2020. Georgia and Wisconsin used another method to try to keep their voter rolls up to date. They sent postcards to voters in the mail to confirm they still lived at the mailing address in the state's records and that they still want to be registered. Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, 
told Atlanta's NBC affiliate this week that this is all pretty normal. That's what we want to make sure that you actually still live in that, you know, residence. And then so all we're asking is that you just fill it out and say, I still live here, check the box, send it back. But it's not always that straightforward. Realistically, those postcards could get lost or overlooked as junk mail. One Supreme Court justice wrote in a dissenting opinion for a similar case last year that this happened a lot in one state. And if you didn't know your voter registration was in danger, you might show up to the polls next year and be told you're not allowed to vote. Yes, that actually happens. Critics of voter purging say that past voter inaction shouldn't disqualify voters from future participation. And that in an effort to avoid one possible fraudulent vote, hundreds shouldn't lose their ability to vote, especially without warning. And other critics say erasing voters from the rolls is just a technique to disenfranchise low-income voters, young people, and people of color, who tend to lean Democratic when they do vote. Some groups making these claims are even filing lawsuits to block states from deleting people from their voter rolls. One of those groups, Fair Fight 2020, was founded by Stacey Abrams. She lost the race for Georgia's governor last year by a very small margin, triggering lots of questions about voter suppression during that election, too. This Thursday, just hours before the Georgia voter purge was set to be tried in court, Georgia decided to kind of change course. Election officials re-registered about 22,000 voters, of the more than 300,000 that were cut. They said, turns out, those 22,000 had voted or communicated with election officials in 2012 after all. And there are legal battles over voter purging in places like Wisconsin, too. Yet another thing to look forward to in 2020. So what's the skip? In the last week, hundreds of thousands of voters have been cut from voter registration lists. And while there are good reasons to keep voter registration lists up to date, some people are concerned that the methods some states use disenfranchise minority voters. So they're challenging these cuts in court. If more states try to tweak their voter rules, we can probably expect more lawsuits. This story is one to keep an eye on as we head into a big election year. And it also serves as a good reminder to check the status of your voter registration well before election day. You can do that at theskim.com slash 2020. Congress has left town for the holidays, but that doesn't mean their plans for impeachment are anywhere close to being settled. Far from it. After Wednesday's historic vote to impeach President Donald Trump, the next step in the process is usually to send the articles of impeachment, in this case, one for abuse of power, the other for obstruction of Congress, over to the Senate. But as of today, that hasn't happened. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell wanted to get that trial going straight away come January, but that probably isn't going to happen either. So why the delay? One reason is that delaying this might give House Democrats some leverage to bargain for better terms for the Senate trial. According to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the way the Senate plans to hold the trial now isn't fair. Democrats in Congress have been frustrated that McConnell doesn't plan to call in more witnesses or consider more evidence about Trump's dealings with Ukraine. They're also opposed to McConnell coordinating the trial with the White House which they say compromises the impartial justice written into the oath senators will recite before they begin the trial. So before Pelosi passes off the impeachment baton to the Senate, she wants to get some answers first. But McConnell isn't having it. Here he was yesterday on the Senate floor. In a highly unusual step, the Speaker of the House continues to hem and haw about whether and when she intends to take the normal next step 
and transmit the House's accusations over here to the Senate. And McConnell made it clear that if anyone was calling the shots, it was the Senate. I admit, I'm not sure what leverage there is in refraining from sending us something we do not want. McConnell and Pelosi have been clashing over the terms of the Senate trial for a while, and they don't seem to be getting closer to working things out. Which may have you wondering, what happens if they can't agree? Can the Senate bypass a trial? The answer? Unclear. Like we said on our show on Wednesday, the Constitution states that the Senate has the sole power to hold an impeachment trial and acquit or convict the president. But it doesn't say much beyond that. And constitutional law experts point out that there technically isn't any law or authority that requires the House to actually send the articles to the Senate, or that the Senate has to hold a trial once they get the articles. The Constitution just says the Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments, but it doesn't say that the Senate shall try all impeachments. But if we're going off the admittedly small record of two past impeachments, then it's likely that Pelosi will send on the articles. And she hasn't signaled that she won't. So the real question is, when? But at least she'll have a lot of out-of-office time to think it over. For more on all things impeachment, check out theskim.com guides. The eyes to the right, 358. The nose to the left, 234. UK politicians just crossed off something big from their holiday wish list. Today in the House of Commons, lawmakers voted by a wide margin to approve a Brexit deal. This isn't the end of the road. The bill will still be debated a bit more after New Year's and then voted on in the House of Commons and also in the House of Lords. But this vote today was huge. It showed that Prime Minister Boris Johnson's decision to hold elections earlier this month made a big difference. His Conservative Party, which really wants Brexit, won a lot of seats. And as today's vote showed, that majority helped make it all but certain Brexit is gonna get done. This bill today helps put the UK on track to exit the EU on January 31st and made it illegal for the UK-EU transition period to drag out any later than the end of 2020. How's that for closure? The drama around Brexit was one of the most complex stories of this year, and a lot of you wrote in to tell us you've still got questions. We'll be answering them on Monday's show. Before we go today, we want to share a powerful story about a recent photo of students from Tulane University. It's of 15 black medical students sporting their crisp white coats standing solemnly in front of a former slave cabin at the Whitney Plantation in Louisiana. It's a photo the students hope inspires future generations of black students pursuing medicine. One student, Sydney Labatt, posted the photo to her Instagram with the caption, we are truly our ancestors' wildest dreams. As physicians in training, we stood on the steps of what was once slave quarters for our ancestors. And resilience is in our DNA. For a picture that's worth a thousand words, this one is leaving a lot of people speechless.
And that's all for Skim This. Thanks so much for listening this week, and don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us online. A lot of news happens over the weekend, so to catch up first thing on Monday, sign up for our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. You can sign up at theskim.com. 